G'day trail runners. Welcome to the Trail Runners Experience with Ashley Drew and Daniel Ferugia. Put your headphones on, put your shoes on, and let's go running. G'day trail runners. Welcome to the Trail Runners Experience. Uh, today we've got a very special episode. Yes, it's going to be a very COVID-19 heavy episode, but I think it's important. And I'm joined today by my uh, my pukey co-host Ashley. How are you going, Ashley? I I'm doing all right. I'm, yep. I'm upright at the moment, so that's good. Hopefully, that's good. hopefully, sometime this week we'll be back to running. Not puking, that's as you correct. have been. Yes. So Ashley's not been feeling the best today, but you no, know, cancer, cancer's being a pain in the butt at the moment. Not yeah, well. No. Yeah, probably quite literally as well as metaphorically. <laughs> Poor bastard. I tell you what, man. I don't know how you do it. You just do it because you have no choice. I know. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And so, Ashley, we're joined today by one of my uh, athletes who I've been coaching for a number of years. Um, this athlete is a very accomplished um, sports person and been running very well over the last couple of years. Has been quite dominant on the trails in South Australia. Um, I think she's won some South Australian championships and she just keeps getting better and that is we'll say welcome to and she also happens to be a doctor so we'll talk about that welcome Ina thank you that was very kind of you I keep thinking that the only reason why I get through those races is because none of the real cool guys have turned up on those races but thanks Daniel don't sell yourself short <laughs> no, don't sell yourself short you're a very I'm good sure. runner I, I never she you won I remember a few years ago when you won that 50k on the track, in, and and it was blisteringly hot, and and Ashley she she won it, she won the women's race, and I reckon if there was about, I reckon if there was about three or four more laps, she would have run the won the race outright. So she was catching up to the the lead male, who was falling apart, and uh, you just didn't. That was amazing that race. That was crazy. That that was unforgettable. Thirty-seven degrees heat all night. Oh my god. Oh Jesus. Yeah. yeah and you didn't. Yeah, it was hot. It was that's hard. one way to knock around the body. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, so, Ina, you um, you did uh, before because I want to talk to you about um the COVID nineteen and and your position as a doctor and how this is impacting you. This um, current pandemic, and I wanted to get some advice off you. But before we go into all the dark and scary stuff, I'd like to talk. Since this is a running-related podcast, perhaps we could talk a little bit about running. <laughs> so, well, um, I, I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna interrupt for a second. I've got some flash news. Yes, it's just popped up on my screen. Go. And that is my my wife is currently out exercising, oh, and uh, she has just messaged me to say. That all the water bubblers have been locked off. Oh, that's good. Wow. Yeah. That was just. Yeah. So, yeah. That was just a matter of time, really. It was just a matter of time, but it, it's now officially happened. So uh, she's going to make her way back home and get another bottle of water. You were onto that a few weeks ago. You were avoiding. You knew that was, and I've been avoiding them since then. Um, I remember a few weeks ago you said you were bringing extra water with you, yeah. so you didn't have to go to the fountain. Yeah. That's um. Another small, another change in our ever-changing world. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, but um, 
but we'll talk a bit more about that. And so, Enid, part of the reason I'm really excited, I was really happy for you because you ran the um, New Zealand's Old Ghost Ultra. When was that? It wasn't that long ago. Yeah, no, it's not that long ago. I, I thought about it yesterday, and it's actually only a month and a bit. That was the 22nd of February. So we were really actually lucky in hindsight because completed the race and had a week's holiday afterwards. And then things escalated when we got back that week later, and, and things have really changed in a, a very short period of time. So I, I think I'm one of the lucky ones who managed to get – to do an overseas race before COVID closed everything down, really. That's amazing. Yeah. And it was an amazing race. I, I must say, if if I can recommend a almost local international race, then sign up for Old Ghosts. Not only the atmosphere, but the scenery and the route, it was just absolutely stunning. Yeah. Awesome. You did such a good job too, because that was your first race beyond the 50 kilometer, oh, I think you've done like 50, 56, but the beyond, you still, you stepped up a fair bit in that race, didn't you? Um, you were sort of, you had mastered the 50 kilometer ultra, I thought quite well. Um, and then going up, increasing your distance by over 30 kilometers. How did you find that? Yeah, it, it was an interesting feeling passing the 56k mark and thinking, oh my God, I still have to keep going. Um, but I actually had managed to pace myself, which has always been my problem. So I still had enough in the tank to keep going and not be, <clears throat> I didn't feel at any stage that I wouldn't be able to complete it. And that was a really good feeling. Um, especially the last 18 Ks, which is after the last aid station, I still managed to pick up my pace and actually go quite fast, especially the last five to seven Ks, and I've never managed to achieve that in the past. Yeah, um, great. So that, that was great, and I did find out what some of my weaknesses were, such as my hip flexors were absolutely killing me halfway in, and they were probably the only ones that kept me from – really pushing myself but in hindsight that meant that I could complete and complete the well yeah that's I awesome. was about to, I was about to ask what was your pacing strategy but it was your hip flexors was your pacing strategy <laughs> no they were my weakness until they set out no I started out with um keeping my pace at what is my easy pace on a normal run and then I managed to catch up with a group of about five, I would say, that who were all running at that pace, and I'm, I didn't run past any of them. I just stayed on the back of that group, and they were quite consistent at that pace. And, and by not overtaking them and push myself, I kept it steady for that part. The other aspect of that, and that was particularly that first 17, 20 Ks, is that there's a number of uh, river crossings with bridges and these bridges can take between two and five people maximum. And they were adamant, and we all respected it, that you can only be two or five at a time, which meant you constantly stopped and waited for people to pass the bridge, and then you ran again. So I think it might have been, what, 15, 20 bridges in the first 17 Ks. So, again, that, that meant that you did actually have to slow down and had to, to stop and take a breather, and it gave me the ability to actually look around me and, and see what was happening in nature around me too. Excellent. So forced, forced rest. 
forced rest and then a little bit of thoughtfulness with not just trying to push past people where I should actually just stay with them. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it's a game of patience, this ultra running business. You've got to be patient. That is very uh, true. Yeah. And, um, no, I think you, um, you paced it really well. I was impressed, Ina. And so I know now you're entertaining the idea of, of go, stepping up to triple figures, aren't you? A hundred K. Yeah, I, I've always said to you I would never, ever, ever do that. I, I, and I, yeah. I can't believe I'm even contemplating it now. Um, <laughs> I guess in these COVID times, we all have to set ourselves some long-term goals to to have something to look forward to. And that sounds crazy, thinking that 100K is something to look forward to. But when uh, one of our local races had to be cancelled due to the COVID, and that's a very special race to me, I said to you, if they actually manage to move that into 2021, I'll actually step up to the to long distance, the 100Ks, if they actually do go go ahead and 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 postpone it till then. Yeah, no, you're talking. Sorry, Hubert, did you say? Yeah, yeah. it's Hubert. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. Look, definitely, I think you'd do well at the 100K out there because I think you know so much of the course already it would um and it is a fairly there's a lot of sections that are quite runnable i think you do really well on it um no it's good look i i just as much as i um it is really a strange thing i feel like there's a couple of stressful things going on with the world it's the covid19 thing is alarming from a health perspective but i think the the whole thing the thing that i'm probably finding the most disturbing is it's changed the way we interact with people, with other humans. And um, I think a lot of people are having trouble adapting to that. I know I am. And um, in in terms of, you know, obviously we can't go out and do all the fun things that we would normally do, go in races. But just even when we're out in public, how we have to basically, you know, keep social distancing. And it's like, like I've described it the other day as a, it feels like a game of chess, but everyone's a, and everyone's a king. If you've played chess, you, that'll make sense, you know, because um, the king can only move one meet. Two kings can't take each other. You know what I mean? Like, um, anyway, <laughs> do you play chess, Ina? No, but there's some truth in what you're describing there. It, it yeah. is almost a, a game. You feel like you're in a computer game where you can only yeah. the direction is either forward or sideways, isn't it? Yeah. And you've got to move aside and like give everyone such a, I mean, I've started getting out and running again. I had a little bit of time off and it feels, and now I'm just giving people a super wide berth when I go on the footpath. And so, or wherever I am, I, I almost exaggerate it. I might do a couple of meters. Um, but yeah, and I guess that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is what sort of precautions we need to be taking. So we might, we'll, Maybe if I if you can just give us a little bit more information on on what you do in your working life um, and how and because then I want we'll, I think Ashley will have questions for you as well about how we can um, how we as runners can be responsible members of this new world. Yeah, I, I just want to butt in for just a second. Yeah. Sorry, right. and that is it's uh, we're going through a period I think of probably the greatest change in living human history in the shortest time yes and we've taken every single rule book that anyone knows about anything and put it in the bin yeah um and i think that that's what everyone's struggling with we've just taken everything and just gone and turned it on its head 
and the, no human handles change well. And um, so that, that's where we're at. We're just we're trying to catch up with ourselves having to change so quickly. Yeah, so just right. wanted to whack it in there. I completely no, agree with you. I think mm. that's that's very very true, it, particularly when you're saying that no human likes change. Um, mm. Funny enough, we are adaptable beings, and that means that we can change. We just like to do it our own way. Yes. And, and suddenly we are forced to reevaluate a lot of the things that we take for granted, like nearness with one another or touch. Yeah. I mean, with um, with what I do, I, I find it very difficult. I should maybe say what I am doing. I'm an emergency physician and I work in Adelaide. But there are some difficult conversations we have to take once in a while. And I'm finding it very difficult not being able to, to touch and put my hand on someone's shoulder or, or take their hand if they're suffering. Um, yeah. But I have to be aware of that I might imply a risk that I don't want to um, burden them with. So it, it really does change a lot of dynamics. That's very true, Daniel. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, and I think what you would – be doing because i mean you're stepping into a a, a a very dangerous environment and it would be very easy to go oh look i'll just make an exception this one time but it's the one you, you it's that one time you can't make an exception you know there is you can't make any exceptions and it's heartbreaking you know and um so i'll, I'll let people in on some things so as people many people know my wife is also a nurse or even in is a doctor but my wife was um Oh, long story short, she had to get tested for the virus, and so because of that, we had to we was we had to be quarantined until the test results came back. And she turned out everything was fine; she didn't have the virus. But for three days, we couldn't we couldn't go outside, and so we had to depend on other people. And so thankfully, people like Ina Ina dropped over some food to our house, and our next door neighbours actually went and bought some. Um, some groceries for us that we needed and um and one, a love a lovely lady who lives on the other side of us who works in in the local bakery unprompted she just came over i don't know how she heard about what was going on with us but she just dropped over a huge bag of bakery goods with you know donuts and and fresh bread and um some rolls and it was just like so i guess what i'm saying is there's there's still so much good in the world and i think as you were saying, Ash, it's such a huge change. I think some of this change might end up being good, you know? I mean, not right now. The medical emergency side of it is not good, and I want to go into that. But I just think that we – and I'm starting to really trying to embrace the positive change that that may, that may can come out of this, you know? We've thrown out all the rule books, as you said, Ashley. Hopefully we can write some good ones that are better. I totally – agree with you. it just goes to show you how amazing the community is especially your local community yeah that's one thing that's one thing um that i've noticed a lot more um i haven't run more than oh, that's a lie actually i've run once in the last two weeks further than uh, 500 meters from a house otherwise i've been within 500 meters of my house for every other run and i've run a couple hundred k's in the last two weeks um yeah. killing it and the mm community is just amazing it really yeah. is and it, it it that whole tribal community thing uh, yeah kind of gets lost in 
the bigger world that we used to live in as such, that we currently we're living in a tighter world now or a more yeah. tribal-based world again. And um, it just goes to show you that tribal thing really is true. Um, Absolutely. I just hadn't and seen it as evident before. Yeah. No, it's it's really good. Um, that's Like I say, yeah, we've got to embrace that. And we've got to, like, you hear people say, oh, be kind to one another. And people, there's a lot of people being beautiful to one another. And so, yeah, we just got to keep going with that. I mean, there's some bad stuff that's going on as well, but... That's the way it is. We just got to try there's and block it out. It's, it, I think it's the case of there's bad stuff going on all the time. Yeah. But we've become so used to it that we forget about it. Yeah. Um, and in this case, it's different bad stuff. And so it's suddenly in our face again. Yeah. Um, but if we choose to look for the good stuff, the good stuff definitely is there. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, you know, I have a question for you. Uh, yeah. Then, so... COVID-19, one, okay, one of the things with this podcast, I feel like, however, however big or small my audience is, or our audience is, I, I feel like we have a responsibility to really put out some proper, um, some proper scientifically backed facts. And I want to hear it from someone who's medically trained. That's why we got you on. Um, this virus, a lot of people, especially runners, are very, uh, com- I might say, complacent that it's not going to hurt them. Is it is, da- is it dangerous? I, I know that there's the older generation is the most vulnerable, um, but is it dangerous for healthy people as well? Now, before I start answering too many medical questions, I have to say that um, it is such a new version of an old virus that we're still learning about it. And what I'm saying now might change in a week or a couple of days because as we're speaking, there are so many, 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 many research projects undergoing to try to answer some of those questions. And we we don't know everything. That's all I can say. And if I am not absolutely correct, I will refer everyone to WHO's um, amazing website where you can get a lot of good information. But what I can say about the danger of this virus is, as with the flu included, it is a virus that we've got some knowledge about because coronavirus is a fairly common virus. It's it's one of the common cold viruses um, that we see every year, around wintertime especially. But this is a new version that it has a fair amount of similarities to the, to the SARS virus. And that's why the actual name for it is a long name that ends with SARS-2. It is deemed to not be as um, aggressive as the original SARS virus. However, it does seem to, for some people, create a, a fairly significant disease process. And yeah. I don't think any one of us knows exactly what it is that for, for some people uh, results in this aggressiveness because certainly having comorbidities, meaning other diseases such as high blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease, lung disease, does put you at a higher risk in, in general for any disease. But this virus is also shown to kill younger people, um, particularly yeah. as you might have read that up to 14% of healthcare workers, even even the younger ones, are dying from this virus. So what is it specifically with with this group of people that means the disease is more aggressive. And I don't think any one of us can answer right now. 
is it maybe a slight mutant of it? Maybe. Or is it because our individual immune system might have been a bit weak in that period of time? Maybe. Mm. Is it because we are creating other stresses to ourselves? Maybe. I don't think any one of us can answer that. But it does mean we don't know individually whether we are the one, two, three younger people, now I'm talking younger, below the age of 60, who might have the severe um, outcome of the disease, which is why we should protect ourselves as good as we can. Yeah, excellent. And obviously, Ashley is a perfect example, and I know that it's a worry for him legitimately, isn't it? Um, yeah, I don't want to speak on your behalf, Ashley, but you know what I mean. No, like, you, you yeah. are quite right. I'm just yeah. not into Yes, it is a worry for me. Yeah, and um, so it's another comorbidity, obviously. And I guess, but also, and uh, so one of the things I've been having tr- I've been having trouble with is um, the load that's going on hospitals. And we always everyone hears about the the curve being flattened or not being flattened enough or whatever. Um, and I see runners out doing these hardcore trails still, and I sort of think if you trip over, break your wrists or or roll your ankle and have to go to the hospital, you just put extra load on the hospital, unnecessary load on the hospital. Um, is that something that, like, is a, a concern for you, like that extra load? That's the that, big that, thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's a really, really good observation, actually. Yeah. And I think we can say without compromising anything uh, with respect to confidentiality, that the two groups we are seeing a marked increase of at the moment are A, bike riders, ah. and, and B, the other big group, are people who are doing home um, renovations that have no respect for letters and <laughs> stuff like that <laughs> and come in injured. That has definitely in, had, had a good incline, that's for sure. Yeah. So that, does, yeah, no, it's a good question. Actually, that type of injuries we've seen a lot less of, uh, the, the general fall over and, and injure yourself and sprained ankles. I even wonder if it's because people now do actually respect that a sprained ankle, it's not really going to change anything going to the hospital for it. Mm. Um, but but given this, as you describe, a fair number of people out running, I see a lot more around my house too. I I do wonder whether or not it's just that people be trying to be more careful not to injure themselves or it's because they actually do respect that if they can move whatever joint it is and if there's no bone sticking out, it's probably not broken. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Tough. That's true. Yeah. It's possible at least. Yeah. And Daniel, I want to add something on, and I know you and I have had discussions um, uh, on the phone about various things over the last couple of weeks, but... I I think there's a balance between lots of people being out on the trails, the roads, et cetera, et cetera, because that's all they can do right now, and and us staying safe and sane, because staying healthy and, and uh, eating healthy and, and keeping your exercise up is extremely important for having a good, robust, um, robust wellness approach. So I think it's important that people are out. But I do think that we, we just need to watch ourselves a bit when we're out there, and that's something we can talk about. Yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate you saying that. I've I've um, backed my running right off over the last couple of weeks, and um, for a number my, – my time has been just totally sucked up taking care of my children um, because they're home 
a lot of all the time now. And so, and also because I just didn't feel safe going out running. However, I'm now um, more being more proactive and getting back out the door. And incidentally, feeling very, very strong on my runs because I feel like I just went from running lots and lots very consistently for a long time, then had two weeks off more or less. And I realized yeah, the other day, I was like, you know what? I'm actually peaking. I, I've actually hit a, I, you know, I'm, I'm all rested, but I've got all this fitness behind me. I feel like I could go out and run a PB, but I'm probably, well, I was getting tapered, didn't you? Yeah. Exactly. I tapered <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but no, so it's, it's good. The other thing is to, I want to talk about is spread, you know? The, yeah. Do runners stand to increase the, um, spread of the virus more so with the way that they breathe? Say, so, I mean, because we could be non, um, we can be asymptomatic. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of those that uh, are hard to give a clear answer on because if you think about the last weekend here in Adelaide where it was extremely windy, I think every breath I took was probably carried, you know, 500 metres down the coast. Yeah. Uh, where like today, where it's more quiet, would not be a problem so much. Yeah. So I gather it depends a bit on how, what wind direction you are in and who's behind you, etc. And and actually, that was something that I thought of when I was running yesterday. Was I really tried to keep a distance with respect to people who were ahead of me when I had a headwind. Um. But but that's probably. I might be over exaggerating it, but that's the little things that I'm thinking of. Is is where what's the wind direction and 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 where are the people around me? And that's yeah. where I think we can be a bit conscientious about our running. Is think a bit about is it a windy day? Is it not a windy day? And am I sneezing and spitting and and snotting everywhere? Um, because that's probably some of the things that we could do too such as carrying one of those lovely little handkerchiefs and, and wash it when you get home rather than um, discarding of your secretions everywhere, some runners do. So, so I think we can do something to minimise the risk, but I don't believe that it, it is a risk to be up running, no. Okay, that's good. Do you have any questions at the moment, Ash? I've got, I've got a whole list more. No, no, I, what I was going to say is I've, I've done exactly that. I've actually, ch- like, I'm... I'm there's a couple of things that I've been doing. I've been running in the middle of the road so as I'm not running on a footpath, and that way I'm not actually going anywhere near somebody. Um, of course, that has its own dangers of running into cars early in the morning. <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, I can tell you that in, in a two-hour run at the moment, um, I'm only seeing five or six cars. Every so often, a Woolworths delivery truck or a Coles delivery truck comes flying around the corner because they're trying to get deliveries done faster than ever um <laughs> but that's probably the only vehicle that's actually you know like unexpected um i seem mm. to know everyone who's leaving at what time at the moment just because of running the same block and the other one is um yeah i've done exactly that i've i've, I've been taking something now with me to wipe my nose etc rather than um getting rid of anything as such and then putting it back in well tucking it back in my flip belt so um yeah, it, just trying to minimise all of that. I've also been putting a towel out, um, just hanging on my car, and I'll just, you know, stop my run and walk and dry myself off again for exactly the same reason. Yeah, no, it's nice. Mm. 
Yeah. Um, so do you like, do you have any other, like, re- I guess we'll, let's break it down into um, the simplest advice that you would like to see people doing. And I'm not just talking about runners. I'm just talking about members. We're, we're runners, but we're mem- we're members of this society of, of, you know, and what's our social, what's our responsibility? Obviously we know the basics like social distancing and washing hands, but what else would you say is our responsibility that we can do right now? Yeah, no, no, it's a really good question because um, I I think the two ways that this virus is spreading rapidly is contact and droplets. That that's yep. what we know for sure. And then there's some a few other ways in which is work related to me, so you don't need to bother about that. But when it's contact and when it's droplets, with respect to that, it is as you say, wash your hands and. Also try to minimise touching and um, fiddling with things that you are, A, not using, such as if you're, you're standing in, in line um, waiting to pay your groceries, don't start touching things that you're not going to buy. Um, don't, yeah, yeah. Um, when you're out running, I've, I've thought a lot about try not to grab onto trees or surfaces when you get around corners because as a runner we would all grab the same tree or the same corner so so that would be something specifically for runners um so try to avoid touching surfaces where you know other people potentially could touch after you yeah and that's something that i've always thought in in flu seasons i cannot believe that people do not pay more attention to to those type of precautions but that's besides the point so that's that's one thing. That's around the contact precautions because we already know, as you say, social distancing and not hugging each other and not touching. And and with respect to droplets, really do as Ashley was just describing, but also sneezing in the elbow or at least make sure you have very frequent hand cleaning um, procedures if you are currently carrying a cold, something similar. So that... that even though I know I'm just jabbering on about what no. we hear all the time, that is really what can help prevent this spread. That's really good advice. I think now, I, I I have a question, um, and that is, at the moment, the advice is stay at home, except for if exercising. So, yep. obviously, trail running. To get to a trail, for myself to get to a trail. Um, to honest, I can actually run to a trail within about 500 metres of where I am. But to get, you know, if I live in an inner city, to get to a trail, I've got to drive to it. Now, what are the, and I and I think about that and I think, well, if you've got to drive to a trail, maybe you've got to get fuel, maybe you've got to use a toilet while you're out. Um, yeah. You know, and a lot of, certainly in Queensland, all the national parks, et cetera, or a lot of the national parks have been closed specifically to stop people driving out to use those trails. But I'm still seeing a lot of people put on their feeds that they're going for a run on the trails. And they're doing that by themselves. But it's, uh, is there an increase in risk in the travel to and from, not the actual run itself, I guess is my question. And does that make the whole community, therefore, increased in risk? That's a really valid point, and I've actually thought of exactly the same. So let's take your example of, of driving through, which is exactly what I will have to do because I don't live near any trails. 
I have thought about the fueling and not fueling. First of all, there are um, petrol stations where you can actually pay outside, use yep. your card. That's what I suggest people do. Um, I do know for a fact that all petrol stations are having a regular wash down or clean down of all the surfaces. I think they do it either every 30 minutes or every hour. So they are going out to wipe down everything surface-wise on the outside. So it is as clean as can get. But what I have is I've got a hand gel on me all the time. So when I've touched surfaces like that, I clean my own hands afterwards. So try to not go into the shop, try to use your car when you're outside and then clean your own hands when you're done using any of the equipment. Also try not to use the, the window cleaners, etc. there. Just to get the fuel and get out of there and use your the rest of your equipment from home. When you then yep. get to the trail, you're absolutely right, then you might need to go to the toilet. First of all, I think we just need to get better habits and, and make sure we, we get rid of what we can at home. Second of all, I think if you're really needing to, then it's back to basics, go back to the bushes. I have not used one of the public toilets for probably six or eight weeks when I started getting really anxious about what was about to happen. Um, so I really try to limit it to to doing it the natural way and get far away from a trail so there should be no chance, even though it has in no way been proven that it's spread by urine, that that could be a risk. But I think for us all to keep it as clean as we possibly can, try to eliminate it as much as we can, do good toileting at home before we go. And if we really, really, really have to go, then I don't think using public toilets is the right way. And then yeah, and then I would suggest, which maybe I'm extra, again, cautious, when I get back from my run, I clean my hands before I even touch my car again. And that's because I've got my hand gel in one of my pockets. Yeah. That's, that's good. It takes a lot of self-control, though, doesn't it, some of it? You know, you've got to be really consciously aware of what you're doing because, I mean, you know, touching faces and stuff like that, it's just like you just, you know, or touching things. But now it's sort of like you've got to be hyper, literally hyper vigilant. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, um, and look, we're hearing stories now, and I've, I've read an article, and this is quite, this was surprising to me, that um, in America there was a, a tiger has been, from the Bronx Zoo, has been diagnosed with COVID-19. Oh, dear. Yeah. Please. Was so, that a real story? It's a real story. Oh. It's a, it's a, it's only just come out today. Um, so an actual tiger, it was, well, I'm, I'm actually looking at the story as I speak from Bronx Zoo. And apparently there was a, an employee at the zoo who had the, who was an asymptomatic carrier of the virus. Um, and apparently all the tigers have fallen ill at that zoo. And one of them has been definitely diagnosed with coronavirus COVID-19. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's something because people were worried about their pets. And my daughter, she's very onto it because she goes, Dad, don't go on. Oh, there was a dog on the street. And my, my youngest, my, my five-year-old daughter, said, went up to pat the dog. And my older daughter said, don't pat the dog. And I said, why is that? Dogs can't get it, to the best of my knowledge. But my daughter said, other people might have been touching that dog, you yeah. know, and patting yeah. that dog. So my yeah. daughter's pretty switched on in that regard. And I'm like, yeah. you're right. So, yeah, 
hopefully, I mean, this story, it's a legitimate story. I, you can Google it, but um, it's, it's alarming. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And that's one of the things that I know that they are, are looking into um, on a worldwide base is whether or not this virus originally was transmitted from animals to humans or whether or not it can go the other way around. So yeah. as far as I know, if that is a, an actual case, that is probably one of the, the first ones that's been reported. But again, that, that's one of those I, I can't say for, for certain. Yeah. That's going to make things interesting. Anyway, I don't want to get too doom and gloom about all that kind of stuff. I like the idea of just focusing on things we can do to make a difference. And we've been doing that. Um, the next thing I want to ask about is um, personal protective equipment for medical professionals. And I know that there's not enough of it. <laughs> what can we do? Is there any, anything we can do? Um. I think what we're probably experiencing besides when you say not enough of it is also that we are probably in for the long ride. You were talking about um, the curve, trying to flatten the curve and, and, and those expressions. What that will facilitate is that even though we're flattening it, that means we're not going to overload our systems, meaning hospital systems, GPs and, and deaths. If, if we can actually manage to flatten it. But it also means that it will take a longer time before we get what's called herd immunity, which is an, enough immunity in the community to, to the virus to settle down. Um, yeah, and if yeah. we are in for the long ride, then we will need protective equipment for a long time. And that's where we're starting to, to be a bit worried that, that we haven't got production lines in place to keep the, the stock up. Because what happened initially was everyone panicked and, and used every single piece of equipment, and since then they've ramped up the production, but there's still a lag behind <laughs> because of that initial panic. Um, so we're just being cautious and constantly looking at what is actually required and what is just panic. And the more knowledge we get about this virus, the, the better we can target what we actually use. And you're right, right there's lots and lots of advice out there um, the problem is that when people run out and, and buy masks in panic and having have no idea of how to use them, first of all, they need to be put on and taken off in a very, very particular manner to not spread the infection. So you actually suddenly go from having limited risk because you're just breathing in and out to, to breathing into a mask that you might swerve around and, and spread virus everywhere if you don't know what you're doing. Second of all, not knowing what material it's made of because people are producing all these beautiful uh, masks of material. There's, I think it's mm. face masks for all, I think there's a, something called. And they do protect to some degree, but the protection is three times better with a, a medical mask. So I think you're, you're just really needing to look at that as a very, very last resort. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so just be careful with putting things on and off that you actually don't know how to utilize um but what can we do you say yeah i yeah, i've talked yeah. a little bit about this because people could start collecting clear plastic bottles and you're going to ask me why and that's because face shields for us as medical practitioners are the ultimate protection for certain procedures and that is again one of those things that we are running short of and, and by adapting a clear plastic bottle, we can actually make 
a fairly good face shield from that. There are plenty of YouTube videos out there. So if people would like to help us out, they would start collecting those masks. And if you've got children, I suggest that's a brilliant holiday activity to start making those face shields because that would be an enormous help. Is that good? Would that be acceptable in a hospital? It wouldn't be acceptable now because we still got the medical standard ones. But if this virus either takes off out of control, we will need equipment. Or if this is in for the long run, as I was saying, and and we don't need it right now, down the track, if we don't keep production up to to keep up with the demand, we will need them eventually. So it would be helpful being on the forefoot rather than back foot with this, I think. Interesting. And um, so... Okay, so maybe I'll have to get some more detail off you and we can um, set up a way that, I know if people want to do something like that, whether they, because, I mean, obviously you don't want just some piece of crap bottle, you know, like or something that someone just finished a bottle of Coke and then just dumped it at the the hospital. You know, it's not like that. So there's a way to do it. Maybe you could send me some links and we can um, share share that among the community because I think it is a great idea. It, it reminds me of like the wartime efforts, you know. I mean, essentially, this is a lot like a war. Um, you know, World War. Imagine what people went through in World War Two would have felt a bit similar in some ways. But um, yeah, so interesting. Um, I, I, on social media, I've seen quite a lot of humorous photos of people in other countries all over the world wearing various types of face shields like um, someone had a water cooler bottle on top of their head with a little thing over the top. I don't know how product, how protective it would. I guess it would be would stop them from droplets, but, you know. So so you're saying is something better than nothing? Um, it depends on who you are. If you are engaging in any procedures where there's risk of airborne transmission, which is the job that I do and, and many other medical professionals, then – you do need extra barriers, but to walk around amongst other people, as long as you keep a distance of one and a half meters and don't sneeze unprotected into their face or spit at them, you are at no higher risk. The only people I would say that to is people like Ashley or people who have other um, important diseases that they need extra protection from should generally not go out unless they really have to. And if they are, keep a really good distance, just like Ashley was describing. Excellent. So, no, Um, I don't think anyone needs any protection if they just take good measures. Yeah. It's really hard to uh, social distance on the trails. I I actually ventured onto the trail briefly yesterday for a little bit of a run, and I came around the corner of a single track, and sure enough, Another runner was right there, and we came within, well within a meter of one another, and um, it was unavoidable because we didn't, you know, it wasn't until we were right on top of each other, and I immediately, she probably had the exact same thought as me, um, coming the opposite direction. We probably thought, ah, oh, damn it, but it was sort of, this is one of the risks that I worry about on the trail. Is we, I mean, like, I definitely, if she was in, if either of us were infected, we definitely. I don't know if that's enough time, but you know, like, so it was a, I spent the rest of the run thinking, great, I'm, I'm done for, you know, like, and so. I totally understand what you're saying. And that's another advice I would like to send out to the running community. If, if running, and I'm 
particularly about trails, try to use some of the non-busy times because we are now suddenly sharing the trails not only with other runners, but lots of recreational walkers, hikers, families who are out, which we haven't done quite to that extent before. So let those families, let those recreational groups, let them do their thing during daylight times and push your runs up to the extent where it's either quite early in the morning or later in the evening where there's not so many recreational walkers and and hikers out there. That's one of the things. The other part is if you are out in those hours and and can't fit in in any other way, try to stick to some of those trails where it's more fire trails and they are wider so you avoid exactly what you're describing with this single trail meet. That's what I would advise. Yeah, that's really good advice. Yeah. Time to get the lights out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, the days are getting shorter here, and uh, as you, as we all know, and um, so there'll be a lot more night running. And um, so, have you bumped into anybody? Have you? Has anyone come inside your personal space, Ashley, since this all took off? Or you've been? Too no, busy? I have not had that trouble at all. Um, yeah. In my in my very local area here. Uh, at the times of days that I've been running. So I, I normally head out um, around 4 o'clock in the morning and it's still dark and I don't see a person. I, I'll see cars. Uh, a couple of cars will leave like around 4.30, but um, I don't actually see a person until about quarter past 5 and then I see the same sort of five people and, and I'm going down the middle of the road and they're on the footpath. And and that's pretty much it. And then once you hit sort of seven o'clock or eight o'clock in the morning, I'm not very far from our local park. Then you see everybody starts to go to the park, etc. Once they've woken up, kids yeah. get up, etc. But that very early shift is is um, there's very few people. So go early, but don't all go, go early. early. <laughs> <laughs> go early, yeah. but spread out. Yeah, that's no, it. it's it's tricky. Look, I think um, we're doing. Everyone's doing the best that they can given the circumstances, and it's um, adjusting to the new normal. So uh, correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else was I going to ask? Oh, yes. I know this. Is, I mean, I guess this is part of your your role in some sense, Ina. But addressing the mental health side of of all these changes, um, I know you you've discussed a few things with me, but like what. And I, I worry, I mean, my own mental health, I'll be very open about it. I, I've i struggled in the last couple of weeks and I'm feeling a lot better now. Got my head around things a bit more. But it's just the stress and anxiety of everything that's going on is overwhelming. And how can people, like, what are, what are some suggestions that we, we can do to address this? Like, first of all, I'm just going to put out there, I think it's pretty normal to feel super anxious right now. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It is very, very normal that anxiety and stress levels and, and depressive signs increase in these times. We definitely see a lot more um, mental health stress, and I know from some other organisations that are helping out around um, mental health-related issues that they are also feeling that people are approaching at a much higher degree than usual. Um, and what can we do? Uh, we were talking about earlier to stay sane or stay safe and stay healthy uh, by, by keep your exercise 
up, not only for your physical health, but also for your mental well-being. It is well known to be both an antidepressant, but also to give you that meditative space, which you often get out on the trails. So I think that is really important for, for us as runners. Yeah. Um, the other part I'll say, and this might be a little bit fluffy stuffy, but I, I do wonder if there are people out there who are suffering more from anxiety and, and starting to get really scared or have been very scared. And I, I think I discussed with you with a few practical tips I, I give to people. So I don't know if you want me to share those. Yes, please do. So advice number one is control what you can control. That means find something in your everyday that, that you feel in control of. That could, for instance, be your own family's behavior or your own behavior, your kids' behavior. Don't try to control other people. Don't get angry at them in the supermarket. Don't get angry at the group of hikers you bump into on the trails. Let it go because you can't control them. You just can't, but you can control your own. Yeah. And advice number two is stop looking at information on social media and news, um, both with respect to newspapers, but also on the news on TV. This is created by journalists, and we all know who they are in the pocket on, uh, pocket off. So seek appropriate knowledge, and I would really strongly recommend WHO, as I said earlier, as a collated evidence-based um, website, and try to look at it with specific questions because you're going to get overwhelmed if you look at the website just for all sorts of information. If you've got specific questions, go there and look for the answer. So seek appropriate knowledge. My third advice is try to look at a plan ahead of time, which means it's not in two months, it's not in three months. This is the long run. This is like a marathon, and we're not going to have this over and done with in, in four weeks. Think about next year. What would you like to do next year? both with respect to running, but also with respect to other positive activities, travels, what we'd like to do for other people. Is it something you would like to engage in next year? Try to think ahead, future-oriented. And lastly, as we've talked about a bit earlier, contribution. Where can you contribute? Where can you feel that you fit into this bigger system? We talk about the, the plastic bottles, but something that I've been seeing at work and has made me really happy is a number of schools have have sent us letters from the kids or drawings from kids saying thank you for the work that you do and and contributing little things like that means a lot and and contributing to this bigger picture can actually make your mental well-being a lot better so that's my four pieces of advice that's excellent advice yeah i think what do you reckon ash uh, I totally agree with all of that. It's at the end of the day, you can only control what you can control. Um, certainly, with the media, um, I mean, their job is to is to sell a sensationalised story because people want to read it and share it. Then, um, so they will uh, pick the best facts to make their story sound better. And um, you just need to probably go back to the facts. Uh, and it's again, it's another thing of if you do read the WHO, and I've read some of the WHO stuff, uh, there's a lot of facts there. So you need to be a little bit. Um, I, I want, you know, like when I went and read it, I specifically wanted facts about how it affects cancer, because that can directly affect me. And then all the other stuff, I went, well, it probably doesn't worry me so much. Uh, so I read that particular set of advice and went, right, 
well, this is how I will change my behaviour. And since then, you know, I personally, I have not been to the shops. I'm lucky I have my wife has done that. But even when she's getting back, I'm not allowed to touch any of the shopping until it's all been cleaned. Our shopping bags, the second they get back, have been washed. Um, so all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. And, you know, my treatment cycle has been moved from hospital to home. Um again, to try and, uh, you know, avoid that going into hospital unnecessarily. It also frees up hospital beds for more important um, emergency medicine rather than um, mine, which is ongoing, and we know what's going on there. So, yeah, I don't know what your other points were, but it, it, it is a matter of just looking at what you can do on that day um, for yourself. And that's the other – sorry, the other one was, um, you know, there's a lot of chat on – people are doing this wrong and they're doing that wrong on online and, and you get your keyboard warriors on there and, and going at everything. The, the fact is you can't control that. And there's, there's police to do that. You know, yeah, we, exactly. we actually have paid officials that that's their job is to go mad at somebody. Your job is to look after yourself and to look after your direct family members that are inside your home. Um, other than that, it, it, it's, I'm certainly not visiting um, anyone else and they're not coming to visit me, uh, and that includes my family members. And, you know, I really can't do anything for them other than to say, hey, I'm doing all right today, I'm doing better than yesterday, um, how are you doing, and by the phone. That's, mm. yeah. and that, and that's as big as it gets. That's great. It's really good, Ash. And I, I'm using the opportunity to reach out to some friends, some mates who I haven't spoken to for a while, um, just A, to see how they're going, and it just feels really good to talk to some old friends, you know, um, and see how they're coping and see what they're up to, and it's just like reconnecting with people because we do, we are gift, even though we can't physically be in contact with people, there's nothing to stop us from being like connected via the internet. Uh, this is a this is a podcaster's world, man. It's a podcaster's world. <laughs> you know, we can all we can all communicate by Skype or Messenger or something like that. And um, I think we need to embrace that aspect of it. And I read it. I mean, social media is full of a lot of garbage and frivolous stuff. And I read a really interesting quote on on Facebook, which actually was like the best thing I've read on Facebook for a long time. And it was something to the effect of, "Don't look at it being like as though you're stuck at home." You are safe at home. You That's exactly. You are That's safe at really home. That's a really good point, yeah. Yeah. And it is. Like, I'm trying. We're in, sort of trying to enjoy it as much as possible. I mean, yeah, you miss all those other activities that you could do, like go out and have a coffee or whatnot. But let's just focus on what we can do. We've, we've got projects that we're starting around the house. Nothing crazy, but just little projects that the, the our kids can do and we can do together and make the most of um each other's company you know so we um yeah i think it's a, we've covered a lot of stuff that we can do in this and i think i'd like to f sort of finish the podcast on a real on a positive note as much as possible so something that i'm going to add to the positive note and maybe you both can have a little think if there's anything that you want to add so i'm actually in the process of um you might have seen a lot of virtual races popping up here and there, and they're a great idea. But I'm actually in the process of doing my a distance runners unlimited, which is my coaching business, um, doing a a type of virtual race that's a little bit different to a lot of the others. So it's 
I'm not going to give away any massive clues. Suffice to say, if you if you listen on the podcast next time, or if you go to my Distance Runners Unlimited page, I'll probably share this everywhere anyway. You'll find more about this um, unique race concept that I've got. That and there's actual prizes. There's real prizes. Oh, that sounds interesting. That yeah. does sound interesting. Yeah, and even actually, I'm going to make it so it's something that people can do wherever they are. So, and that is the beauty of this the virtual run. <laughs> so yeah, um, I don't know. So if there's any, do you guys have any other any other bits of sage wisdom you want to pass on to the listeners about um, what do you call it? How we can live in this? Or we've talked about how we can live in this world a bit better. But Ina, is there anything else you want to share? Um, no, you were talking about finishing off on a positive note, and I will do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, for the first time in my career, people are actually starting to thank me for my job, and I get a little bit embarrassed because there's nothing new in what I do. It, it, it is just I don't, I'm not used to getting thanked for what I do. And thank you for the thank you, but I also <laughs> want to turn it around and say thank you to you guys out there for actually trying to take care. I know you don't mean to when you suddenly do something silly, but thank you for actually trying. Yes. That's excellent. That's a nice thing. Yeah. And actually, I want to add to that, Ina. Say thank you to your nurse, your doctor, um, any of the healthcare professionals that take might take care of you. Thank them profusely. So, and be, be cool to those 16-year-old kids that are working behind the checkouts um, you know, that are in a pretty high risk situation when you think about it. Um, and be, and be cool to anyone who's operating any kind of business at the moment, like teachers as well. So yeah, that's, that, I, I think it's great. Detail, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So yeah, well, are you, you good, Ash? I'm good. I just want to say thank you to everybody for doing the uh, amazing work that everybody is doing at staying home. Yeah, man. Stay home. Yeah. That's good Good advice. Simple. Yeah. I, I think that whole safe at home is the perfect, perfect answer. You are yeah. safe at home. Yeah. Actually, this is the very, very last thing. I could not agree more, Ash. Let's think forward. Let's use a bit of Ina's advice in however long down the path this ends. So let's imagine we get to that day where all the flights have opened back up. We can do, go and do whatever we want. We're allowed to be, social distancing becomes a thing of the past. What's the first thing you guys want to do when you step, when, th- when that day comes? Whether it, it could be a race. I dare say for, for me, it's going to be a race of some description. I, I, I'd like to go, actually, I want to jump on it and take my whole family back to New Zealand. That's to be, that's what I'd like to do. And then go and run a race over there. That's what would you guys like to do to finish up? Wow, I haven't seen that one coming, Daniel. So that that's I know. Hard. I like... <laughs> um, the first thing that I was thinking of when you started talking was yeah. I can't wait to give a hug to some of the people who are near me, and particularly yeah. my family, who unfortunately. My parents had to cut the trip to visit me short. They haven't been down here for years, and they had to go back yes. to Denmark in haste. So I cannot wait. I cannot wait 
to see them and my sister and my brother-in-law and my niece and nephew. I can't wait yeah. to see them in person and touch them again. Yeah, that's a that's a big one, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and how about you, Ash? Well, look, I've, this is going to sound weird, but um, I we've put the map of Australia from our travels around Australia up on the wall. And um, I keep looking at the Tanamine Desert and <laughs> just see an adventure in the Tanamine Desert. I don't know what it is, but, um, yeah, I, it, that particular spot in Australia is one of the places that I haven't visited. And it keeps attracting me each time I look at the map of Australia. So I don't know what that means. It probably means that I should avoid going there. It's certainly a long way from any medical help. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, it, that's, um, it just keeps attracting me. It's about the most socially distant place you could probably get, so it's probably a it good It probably thing. is at the moment, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, Ina, didn't you not long return from the Flinders Ranges too? And yeah. um, so that's a shame. I told you you should have stayed up there. Yeah, I should have, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. No, it's um no, oh, they're all real good. Well, I guess we'll end it up here, and um because otherwise we'll run out of day. And thanks so much, Ina, for your time and all that in- incredibly valuable advice. Oh, it was a pleasure. I I, I hope it, some of it was useful at least. Very much. Definitely, definitely. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, no. we'll um. Yeah, we'll see you next time, Ina. Absolutely. <laughs> And, okay. and happy running. Yeah, yeah. ditto. Ta. Yeah, yeah. And they, and stay safe, everyone, and wash your hands and and if, and stay home. All those things. <laughs> yeah.